rivalries often capture the imagination of most most sports fandom in my opinion be it a team sport or individual sport uh we've always needed as casual fans i hate the word or die hard fans both set of fans we always need a contest because sport is about contest and if you don't have a favorite team you root against or favorite player that bothers your best player it kind of uh takes a life out of a rivalry and as we emerge or evolve as fans then we start appreciating the opposition so breaking the silence on this podcast after two long months and if you're a regular listener you know this is the pattern of this podcast not by design just because we try to come up with episodes every now and then uh, that are close to our heart and uh, have meaning in how we consume sport so there is no frequency where i produce these podcasts i try my best but hopefully there won't be another two months so this is your host sakib welcoming you to another episode of cricket with an accent and today i'm joined by podcast friend and regular aftab khanna aftab how are you i'm good sakib good to be back with you again how was your india trip it was very good good to see uh, family and uh, the country after so long um it was summer so ipl had just concluded i didn't get to catch a lot of cricket but i did get some downtime to enjoy some ashes um which uh, i could finally because i was not working i was on holiday i could just put my feet up and relax and and watch at leisure um but yeah good good conversation on the sidelines with a bunch of um, fellow uh, family members who are equally passionate about cricket and then i think i shared with um, our group here i managed to meet a couple of our uh, fellow cricket tragics including the venerated gurkeerat gill as well uh, in person for the first time so it was it was a very good trip yeah i mean gurkeerat is on my wish list whenever i I'm back in New Delhi. I don't know when, but yeah, he's definitely uh, a WhatsApp number that I've stored and probably catch up with him. And uh, the other guest or the speaker today is making his debut. It's a long time, I think, podcast consumer of this forum, uh, Kandarp Mehta. And this is a debut I'm really excited about because Kandarp has given some incredible feedback uh, about the podcast that we have produced and uh, me, Vijay, after you know who are regulars in this podcast are really looking forward for this uh, debut and hopefully we can bring kandar back on more occasions than one kandar how are you thank you so much uh, so nice to be here and uh, and that's very kind of you i i mean like you know already i'm a big big fan of of this podcast big fan of you know the way in which you you handle this podcast and it's an absolute uh, pleasure to to be here now i think this is a mutual fan club uh, <laughs> uh so why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners i think you'll you're a cricket fan but where are you right now i know you're based in barcelona just give a little introduction and then so, uh, we can take this forward sure i'm i'm a faculty member at uh, at esa or iese business school um here in barcelona in spain i have been here for uh, a long time now i i came here to do my phd uh, i finished my, it was on creativity and motion pictures and then i i joined uh, the school straight away and then to do some more research in the area of negotiation i had an opportunity to be at uh, uh, northwestern for some time and i was very fortunate to meet uh, uh, our 
you know, your co-host uh, Aftab at Northwestern. In fact, I, I hope Aftab, you remember we were in the same creative writing class uh, where Aftab was. Uh, I have very fond memories of you, Kandarp. <laughs> I don't have very fond memories of what I wrote in that class. Uh, you, you, uh, you were the, anyway, uh, but a, a, as long as I remember, you were the favorite of, uh, of everyone in that, uh, in that little group, but uh, yeah, so, so yeah, uh, and then, well, I have, I have been in Barcelona, so, and since my PhD was in motion pictures, I work in area of creativity, so I also work with, you know, creative industries whenever I have an opportunity, be it theater, television, and I also help startups. So, yeah, that's my my professional side. Well, you're true Harfan Mala, right? If this was a podcasting <laughs> all-rounder, you are one. You can probably go and talk about various topics. And uh, and I think you did mention, right, before when we were planning this podcast that you knew Aftab. And yeah. uh, let's do a plug-in for Aftab's blogging abilities. Because Kandar did say to me, Aftab, that you are one hell of a writer. Yeah, and I know I, you've contributed at eighty-one All Out as well. Yeah, very kind words. I appreciate it. If your spoken word is to be taken for granted, I can only imagine your written word must be quite profound. And you know, uh, and you 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 definitely bring clarity of thought that I've seen seldom uh, matched here. So excited to do this episode today. We'll just keep it simple. Talk about rivalries, like I gave in my intro. Uh, for many, you know sporting events that I've seen in, in my life or many sports that I've followed, uh, it's based on rivalries. Uh, in the beginning, it was, I, I didn't understand fully the meaning and the concept of a rivalry like India-Pakistan, growing up in the mid-80s in New Delhi and getting the cricket bug. So Imran Khan's team was the standard, and I've spoken about this earlier, how our guys would fall short uh, for a long time against this matchup, but it was still a rivalry. It would still make everybody around you excited. Uh, there were times when, you know, uh, we would come back from school, maybe even have missed school. I don't remember. But yeah, this was the match. And then in tennis, there was a Lendl-Becker rivalry and uh, so on. So, uh, Kandar, why don't you uh, introduce your first concept of a rivalry since uh, this topic is uh, pretty close to, you know, your cricket consumption. Uh, who are your first uh, rivals as a fan? when you were consuming cricket or any other sport, uh, talk about that stuff. So uh, it's very interesting. I, I would say that I have had like two different moments in, in, in my life when I, I understood the importance or I understood the concept of rivalry. Uh, the first time when I, I understood how important a rival is was in 1985 when India won the the World Series cricket in in Australia, I was very young, so you know I I I don't remember it very very well, but what I definitely remember is that when India defeated Pakistan in in final, and for every game, you know, my father would wake me up, and we would watch um, every game, and and in the final when India defeated Pakistan. I somehow remember that as as a very special moment because probably I had never seen people around me celebrating you know uh celebrating cricket so much before that of course people must have celebrated 
the World Cup victory, but I was too young back then and I don't have any memory of World Cup victories or, you know, the Rothman's Cup victory that followed it. But I definitely remember this. And that somehow kind of taught me that, okay, winning against Pakistan is, is special. And then when uh, the Australasia Cup happened and Mia Dad broke everyone's heart in India uh, on the last delivery, I remember my a cousin of mine, he he did not eat any any food that evening. Next morning he did not and he was so angry. He he did not go to sleep and his parents were complaining to, to my father that look he's taking it so seriously and so these things, you know, they teach you what rivalry is. That why why winning to someone is more special than than other victories, or why losing to a particular team hurts more than losing to any other team, and because of that, you also, and I think that that's I, I mean that happened to almost everyone in my generation because of this this rivalry, we also paid a lot more attention to to Pakistan games, we watched Pakistan cricket more closely. And in a way, we also became fa fans of that generation of, you know, that Imran Khan's generation of, of, of Pakistan cricket team. So, so we always have this interesting relationship with rivals. And then when I came to to Spain, and, you know, I used to live in a in an apartment in front of a bar, which was, you know, a Barça, Barcelona football club bar. I mean, you know, the owner was a fan and some people would get together to watch Barca games. But for, for the first time when the Clasico was happening, Barcelona-Real Madrid game was happening, and the uh, the kind of crowd that was there, and the kind of cheers that I heard, and then I started, you know, watching these games, especially Barcelona-Madrid games, and I kind of realized a like a whole new level of rivalry, a rivalry which kind of goes beyond, you know, just sporting rivalry, a rivalry which is deeply rooted in cultural and social, uh, you know, evolution of the society, a rivalry which is kind of deeply rooted in, in the society, rivalry which affects, you know, the general mood of of the nation of of the society you you know the day barcelona loses to madrid next day you can read it on the faces of people that you know they are kind of sad even those who are not fans would not be untouched by it but isn't that the same as india losing to pakistan back wherever you were you were in ahmedabad right yeah same yeah in yeah. delhi uh, yeah. i felt the mood would change i i agree but i i mean in India, Pakistan. So, so you know, before coming to this podcast, I looked a little bit at the academic literature, like why rivalries happen, like what what do we know about rivalries, and there are many antecedents of rivalries. So, you know, people have talked about a lot of different uh, factors that contribute to to rivalry, and there is one line of 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 research which says that. Conflict is very important. In many rivalries, 
a sense of conflict or even a sense of injustice is, I mean, it creates a strong sense of rivalry. And in case of India-Pakistan, it was, it was very easy. I mean, because, you know, we know what has happened between these two nations, uh, right from, you know, the partition, how the relationship has been between these two countries. But in case of Barcelona and Madrid, I was not aware. So it kind of shocked me more. Maybe I had more time to process, you know, the differences between, uh, or the, the intensity of rivalry between India and Pakistan. While here it's, it has been, it was a bit too shocking, a bit too soon. And at the same time, uh, another important factor in, in sustaining rivalries is is reputation, continuity. Uh, all the important rivalries, they sustain because of reputation. You keep on, you know, competing against each other, which does not happen so much in India, Pakistan. Like when Pakistan came to India in 1999, uh, Vasim Akram's team to play, you know, three tests. It was after so many years. So, so you know, even though there is this intensity, we did not have the, a continued intensity. While here, you kind of have that intensity, you know, every every quarter. Every quarter, there is an important game or two games. And you, you again, you, you see it, you live it. So, yeah. So, yeah, no, so that's, a, that's a great comparison. And probably we'll use this further when we talk about IPL in this. Yeah. Club versus country. So let me bring Aftab quickly here. So Aftab, what's your earliest memory of a rivalry as a fan? And does rivalry to you mean an equal contest or there's an emotional attachment to it? Your team could be dominating or losing, but as long as in your mind as a fan, it's a rivalry, it's a rivalry. Yeah, uh, both interesting questions. And I think uh, <clears throat> Kandap made a very good point around the roots of conflict. Uh, to me, I think... I look at rivalries that in, in two buckets. I think one is uh, what I call cultural rivalries, right? These are more team-oriented um, and could either be genuine cultural conflicts, which I think, you know, uh, Barcelona and, and Madrid is a great example of uh, the, the tussle between uh, royalty and Real Madrid, I was actually reading. I mean, I don't yeah. know Spanish, but Real actually stands for royal. Royal, um, yes. Uh, right. So it's the royal versus the the masses, or you know, uh, the Barcelona also kind of then starts feeding into the 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 self determination aspirations of the Catalans, and and all of those things come in, right? Yeah. Um, whereas India, Pakistan, I find I, I I call it a little bit of a manufactured rivalry. I mean, people will probably not agree with me. It's also I sometimes I almost wonder now that I'm 40 whether it's even a genuine rivalry, right? Because we have this kabi dosti, kabi pyar relationship with mm -hmm. Pakistan generally also, right? Yeah. Um, so we've had these periods where we've I think we've been rivals primarily because we were you know i don't know bad analogy but but brothers out of the same womb and have been you know fighting for attention and whatever for preeminence between each other uh, but we've had this in fits and starts so but i would still put it in the in the bucket of a cultural rivalry i mean i think the the other one uh, that that probably fairly falls very neatly into this is in in soccer uh, celtics versus rangers in scotland which is 
cultural religious you know call you what you know you you put it in there and it's right there right so the, the the catholics versus the protestants um and then there is there's rivalry in individual sports which i like to call rivalries of excellence or rivalries of champions right which to me are like defined by certain periods of time by two great players coming together against each other and you're really watching them because there are two outstanding sports people who are competing against each other i mean federal nadal is 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 a great example of it um even if you look at team sports i mean boston celtics and la lakers is probably an example right like two of the best teams in the nba history both have won a lot of titles but la and boston as two cities have never really been fighting each other right um <clears throat> so um so it's just that the, both the teams have been so dominant and they've gotten such amazing talents uh, that the rivalry has had now a very rich tapestry of history right you could potentially say 30 years later maybe we'll be talking the same way about csk versus mumbai indians because they would have competed in so many ipl finals right um and then the other one that that i when i was researching i found very interesting doesn't get talked about a lot sakib you would know this this comes from your world of tennis it's navratilova versus chris evert right yeah. and it's amazing like how competitive and how even it is and how many times they played each other like i never saw them so much on television but to me like that's the rivalry of champions right you you watch it because there's a two excellent sports people you know going uh going against each other and so to me i think those are sort of like the two contexts i think the cultural rivalries you inherit you inherit based on kind of like where you are um and of course the india pakistan rivalry as a as a young boy growing up in delhi i inherited um my both sides of my my family my mom's side my dad's side had migrated from pakistan so there was that context right um by the time i was 8 or 9 Uh, i knew enough that the countries had fought wars this is the late 1980s early 90s when you know there's a lot of terrorism going around in india unrest and every finger is pointing to the west side of the border um and so it wasn't too hard to get caught up in that rivalry the other interesting thing was you know excellent point that kandap made that we were playing pakistan frequently the 1989 tour had happened uh, when i first started watching cricket regularly you know there was just before the 92 world cup so we were playing in sharjah um and and you you need that flame of contest um and at least the, the sport to happen for the rivalry to sustain itself and which is why i i say that you know the india pakistan rivalry ebbs and flows because there's just these long periods when nothing is happening the teams are just not playing each other um so so to me it's important that there's this continuous interaction on the sporting field which is why soccer rivalries are really good because you're literally like guaranteed to play each other at least twice in a season um and uh you know in in tennis because the number of pool the player pool is so small people will run into each other so many times especially if you're good um but the question around competitiveness is an interesting one um and i feel in team sports uh especially if the the roots of the rivalry and the conflict are really strong uh perhaps that sentiment doesn't really go away even if it's no longer a contest um so i mean i was looking at some numbers for india pakistan for example right i mean you look at test match records and you'll think it's been what almost we are coming up to like 80 years of independence now 75 years and uh, the test match record is india's 19 pakistan's 112 it's fairly even both teams have had 40 draws and and that just goes back to the fact that when we used to play cricket a lot till maybe about the 70s it was just a safety first approach nobody wanted to lose but the the odi rivalry is interesting it's it sustained itself through a period between 1986 to what i call like 
you know 2000 which was like the post miyadad sixer era where pakistan won you know two games for every one game that india was winning it was so lopsided and yet you could say like from a television perspective like that was probably the peak of the the rivalry and we are now in this i would say post ms dhoni era where you know india has like flipped the ratio and they are winning two games to every game that pakistan wins but still every time a game happens fans turn up and you know, there's a little bit of buzz and excitement and all that so so yeah i mean i i think if you're if you've been raised in a certain certain social setting or certain context and if you've had the chance to imbibe it you probably wouldn't let go of the rivalry so easily even if you know the contest is not is not necessarily even i think the ashes is a very good example like for so many years england were just not competing but their fans would turn up hope against hope that somehow they'd be able to conquer shane warne and mcgrath and still figure out a way to to win the ashes yeah there's history right especially in club and you both seem to know a lot about football or soccer uh, and i can say same about the nba when i moved to boston Celtics were a pale shadow. Everybody here still talked about Larry Bird in the mid 90s or early 2000 when he was long gone and Boston was struggling to form an identity and Lakers were still a playoff team. But the rivalry was immense and, and the funny part was both weren't making playoffs for a couple of years, but whenever Boston played LA, there was a buzz around here and both were like subpar teams. So I think that comes to what after we said from the context of a league where every team plays every other team or every team so many times so you know home team home game versus road game while cricket didn't have that cricket had like of course return tours but the the tours weren't as spelled out like india australia right for the longest time india didn't go to australia i think from 80 i think 80 after 85 they went to australia in 91 and similarly australia didn't come to india for for an extended period so we we we'll get to that part and the other part i think uh, which is uh, i think where my question was coming was the example is tennis against serena williams and maria sharapova i think formed uh, a lot of people say it's not a rivalry because maria only beat serena twice but it was still the matchup that most fans tuned in it became a beat down few competitive matches were there but they both were the biggest icons uh, biggest global ambassadors in women's tennis or tennis you can say and uh, it brought the best out of serena a lot of times serena didn't have to play her best but she would always beat sharapova but it drew ratings but mathematically it was as lopsided as any matchup i've seen uh you know between two champions but it still brought people you know to tune into tv or streaming there were different opinions but in the end you can still argue that it was a rivalry because to me it's a contest that people wanted to tune in and follow uh so i think that's the other i think aspect of the federer nadal rivalry where uh the stakes were high and federer had a losing record but matches were good and then he started winning few at the tail end of the of the rivalry so the other part since we are talking primarily cricket in india pakistan is a focus or a subconscious focus for all our formative cricket years uh what does partisanship mean kandar in in this context i know uh there's always obviously history you know between it was one nation you know before partition so there's always that history but how's partisanship viewed in rivalry and you can also use a barcelona real madrid example because then we'll also be comparing club versus country i think i think partisanship and rivalry are kind of uh, 
two sides of the same coin. Um, like I, I talked about, you know, what, uh, you know, what research has, what researchers uh, say about rival rivalry. And if you look at, look at psychology of sports or psychology of competition, uh, psychologists have clearly distinguished rivalry and competition. One thing is to compete, to win. But another thing is to to compete and not just compete, but to make sure that you win against a particular rival. And there, as I said, that there, on one hand, there is this uh, element of conflict. Also, uh, there is a, uh, quite often what we see is a strong element of bias. Uh, this bias can be in form of, um, uh, for example, like from my childhood, I remember that uh, before, um, like pre-Tendulkar era, um, we always were nervous whenever Pakistan was playing against India because we thought we are going to lose. In fact, I remember reading in, uh, I, I forgot which magazine, I think it was probably it was Cricket Samrat or Sports Star, but there was this one article which said that uh, after Tendulkar, India kind of became more competitive against Pakistan. Otherwise, before, uh, we used to lose the game even before, uh, uh, you know, uh, even before the game would start. So there is this element of bias and that contributes to this partisanship. Uh, on one hand, you have this preconceived notion that uh, either the other team is uh, all too strong or the other team will not play fair, they are not going to, you know, they, they, they will cheat. Uh, quite often you hear people talking about the, it, that happens a lot in soccer. You always hear Barcelona fans talking about how referees have been helping Madrid. Uh, and you talk, you listen to Madrid fans, you, you know, they say the same. They always will give you like 10, 15 examples of games where, a referee did not, you know, give a penalty which was due. Did not show the red card which should have been shown, etc. So, so that is the sense of partisanship. Sense of partisanship has two things: one, you know, love for your team, but also, I wouldn't say hate because, you know, I mean, if you love game and the sport itself, you you don't hate really the other team, but kind of a distaste for the other team. You don't want the other team. To win and at times it's even it's even you know it goes even further you not only want your team to win always but you also want the other team to lose always everywhere and uh, and you know that's uh and, and that that really contributes to rivalry um last last week i had an interesting uh, uh conversation with my kids so, you know, Spain was going to play England in the World Cup final uh, of Women's uh, Football World Cup. And I, I asked my daughter, who would you uh, support, uh, Spain or England? And she said, well, I go to an English school, so I like England and I, I'm here in Spain, so I like Spain as well. So I will cheer for both. And my five-year-old son, he said, well, if you cheer for both, that means you cheer for none. I don't know whether he really wanted to be <laughs> that profound, <laughs> but I think that's that sums up very nicely uh, the sense of partisanship. You not only want one side to win, you also want the other side to lose. 
and hmm. yeah that's quite deep after you want to weigh in and i'll throw in a quick question but you, if you want to respond that that is a very uh, deep that is a very deep yeah. point um so i i i mean so partisanship for me is inevitable i mean i i think there's uh, there's no way that at some point of time in your life you will not jump the bandwagon of partisanship i think the important thing is how how quickly do you do you get yourself off it right and you reach a point where you appreciate sport for sport but you know you you still root for a team that you want to win um and i i look back and when i started watching sports on television right any sport i would see i i i had to root for one team or one guy right if i didn't know who was playing it had to be on the basis of the color of their of their jerseys right i like blue and green so the teams are wearing blue and green is whom i'm going to support and that's how i candidly admit i became a chelsea fan because i i saw english uh, football leagues back in the mid 90s early or late 90s when the first time they started coming on television and i liked the blue and yellow that chelsea were wearing and it looked like a nice team um ended up you know becoming becoming a chelsea fan for the longest time um but you know you you got to you got to pick size i think the one drawback of partisanship and this is coming out of my own journey um of having been a partisan indian fan not just in the context of india pakistan but pretty much against every team for a few years is that you don't necessarily appreciate uh the sport or the quality that comes from the other side and you don't necessarily grow as a fan um and what i mean by that is that you know you you very quickly um you know fall into a bit of a statist mindset it's a bit like you know if if you were a socialist economy you've closed your doors of the world and you're you're hyper independent and you feel that you know you can do everything yourself right it's the same sort of analogy where you feel your team is second to none and and you don't really appreciate the art that that that's put in front of you um by by an opposing team and i'm i'm very thankful that you know i had people in my social circle when i was young uh, interactions with whom along the way helped to broaden my aperture right and i think i've spoken on this podcast before i had a cousin brother who was playing three years elder to me he was playing playing age age level cricket um for for his state and so when you're actually playing you you know you you're different than just a viewer and i've found it very rare for players to be hyper partisan um we can exclude gautam gambhir from this but they um you know but, but he kind of taught me to appreciate <laughs> the art of leg spin yeah he, he taught me the <laughs> the art of appreciating um uh, spin and especially the spin bowling that saklain was doing and suddenly before i knew it saklain was kind of my idol right uh, i had a friend in classmate in in school who used to just idolize wasim akram and you know couldn't stop talking about him and so it opened up my aperture to appreciate the skills and 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 the the art of fast bowling and reverse swing of of pakistani bowlers right and so by the time i ended up reaching college i i sort of like overgrown my 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 partisanship and i was watching cricket and everything else for the sport but i still had favorite teams right um so so that to me i think is is sort of like the nuanced difference of how you strike a balance between being partisan being have be, having a favorite but to to an extent growing out of that partisanship as well and and kind of appreciating sport for the skills that are put in front of you i mean it's very hard to be you know very passionately anti real madrid when zizan is playing for them 
right? Uh, I mean, I, I found it like very difficult. It's probably the same if you are a Real fan and you watch Messi, right? You 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 got to acknowledge the art that's there in front of you. That's a very profound way to put it because, and I think we all can vouch for ourselves and even our uh, the friends or family, the cousins, whoever we hung out with, or watch cricket or any other sport. It it, it you know partisanship definitely hinders evolution as a fan. Because for the longest time, when Akram was bowling to Tendulkar or Akhir was bowling to Sachin or Manjrekar, I just wanted India to win. You know, as, as a young boy, you're praying, you're doing whatever. India should win. So if you look back, are you even enjoying the sport? Because you're so consumed with the outcome. And then, you know, as a 14, 15 year you're denying that Pakistan is good or opposition is good. Then analysis is thrown out of the window. So I'll stay with Aftab and then go to Kandar. So, you know, Ram Goha openly says, right, He's evolved. He's a global fan. He doesn't have a team. So Aftab, where is your fan, fandom journey? Do you still have a horse in the race? Are you still an Indian fan or you take losses uh, more lightly? Uh, and looks like you've been appreciating other talents. So I think you evolved faster than I ever did. So what is the relationship with the game of cricket right now? Are you a one team fan? I mean, I think it's definitely evolved to a point where, you know, I take losses much, much more lightly than probably what I did 25 years ago. I mean, I remember I was like screaming and crying when we lost the 96 World Cup final. And I was bitterly opposed to Sri Lanka for the next like two, three years. Uh, same thing that Kandap said, right? I wanted them to lose everywhere, every game I saw to anyone. Uh, but I mean, thankfully, I grew out of that phase. This is kind of like, you know, what I mentioned before. Um and and yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I want India to win. I'll watch India games, especially in ICC tournaments. Uh, but I'm not like super disappointed if they lose. I mean, I am. I, I think you, with age, you reach a point where you realize that if the skill set is not good enough on a particular given day, if the other team has a better combination, then they'll win, right? It's it's sport. It ultimately comes down to who's more skillful. Um, and so that that I think has allowed me to kind of take that uh, mentality across the rest of the sports as well. Um, and you see it for the contest, you 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 enjoy it, uh, but you try not to get too super consumed emotionally by it. Um, and then I think obviously you, you grow up and you have other things happening in life that need your emotional attention and you realize there's only so much, um, you know, you can invest in, in sport. Um, so, which is why I said, I mean, everybody needs to go through that phase to really become a, a, a true sporting fan. You need to, you need to have cried once when your favorite team or player has lost, uh, but then you get a sense of perspective and, and, you know, you, you start appreciating the art a little bit more than probably the outcome. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at tennis after the federal retirement and also, slowly growing as a fan after, you know, 30 plus years. Now I'm at a position when people ask me, Alcaraz a sinner, I just want, I don't want to pick a guy. I just want to enjoy whatever they put out there. I have a slight bias with this guy, Seb Korda, but Alcaraz, Rona, and again, tennis is slightly more important to me than cricket uh, as far as my fandom goes. So I'm trying to spend the next decade without, you know, getting behind one player, just appreciating tennis. So Kandar, same same thing to you. Uh, what has your evolution cycle been like and where does Australia fit into it? Because for the longest time, Australia became the number one rivalry for many uh, or maybe the second rivalry after Pakistan that people got excited about. So what's your equation with the Australian team versus India and where are you as a fan right now? So actually, like like Aftab said, you know, uh, quite often your personal relationship with the sport, with the game as a fan, 
is shaped through you know personal experiences that you have that you have lived uh, like and you know when you remember old games or when you are watching a game now even quite often you go back to those moments um similar just like aftab i i had a cousin who was a very good cricketer he used to play uh, in local leagues in in bhavnagar uh, neeraj unfortunately he passed away at a very young age but i remember watching a few games with him in 1992 world cup and he understood the game very well he was 5 uh, years uh, uh, senior to me and he was like explaining to me what was going on otherwise you know for me watching cricket was like you know uh, waiting for a boundary or you know uh, making sure that the team i was supporting was was winning but watching with him a couple of games especially the semi final england and south africa it kind of shaped my shaped me as a fan and i i learned to appreciate quality of cricket good quality of cricket and like i said you know my generation as far as i remember friends that i had many of them they would not like pakistan but they would always be fans of pakistan cricketers uh, like wasim akram i i think many many friends i i know i remember they they were all big fans of akram or for that matter later on you know players like uh, inzamam ul haq or or even shahid afridi similarly australia australia before becoming india's you know uh, rivals or before india became rivals uh in india became australia's rival australia was you know a great team it was a world beating side it was very dominant and just like probably the whole world was fan of west indies during 80s um our generation was a big fan most of us were fans of australian cricketers before india started beating australia when for example in at the end of the previous century when india went to australia when sachin was the captain india lost but we 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 knew that they lost to a team which was kind of invincible it was when india defeated australia in that kolkata test that was not just a victory for india it was kind of a statement from from indian team and it kind of elevated self esteem for everyone suddenly we felt more powerful suddenly we felt that now we can even beat the best team on the earth and and then this continuity you know like i said earlier uh, scholars have said that uh, three factors that contribute to quality of to of rivalry are you know a sense of parity that you think that you are equal the quality of contest and reputation and since india australia has been playing so much against india and india has been doing reasonably well even in australia we are doing so well we have won two series back to back i think that has kind of created this sense of equality that we can beat them as well but at the same time i think uh I don't know which year was it it was 2008 right when the sydney test happened when the infamous uh, you know the harbhajan 
uh, Andrew Simon's conflict took place. I think that created an interesting point of inflection in India-Australia rivalry. Because prior to that, we wanted to beat them. But after that point, we wanted to beat them not just because they were, you know, the team to beat, but they became our our enemies or our rivals. Then defeating them kind of gained more meaning after that very controversial game. So so I think that's how we, we can I mean that that's how this Australia India rivalry has evolved over years. And this is something that you see across so you know there are some people who have studied rivalries in in football league, in soccer, in, and they always say that, you know, there is at some point there is one conflict which kind of creates a point of inflection and rivalry goes on to the next stage. And I may be a little out of my depth, but I think this is also a rivalry that carried over into the commentary box, boardrooms. So, after what is your recollection of the evolutionary arc against the uh, uh, rivalry against Ponting, Vaughan, McGrath, and that, and Steve Voss to start with. And uh, was that rivalry a number one rivalry for you at any point? And number two question, uh, what are some of your favorite cricketing rivalries as a fan? Yeah, I mean, I, I find that one to be more in the, you know, bucket of the competitive library. Uh, you know, so the the one that I talked about, it's because India and Australia are like really competitive teams. Like there isn't really like any cultural roots of of conflict in there. But yeah, I mean, I think you know, twenty two thousand one was like an inflection point in the sense that Indian cricket's graph went up. Australia were the number one team, and so commercially, it also made more sense for the teams to play together. And you know, it did see the the rivalry blossom which i think if you take out the monkey gate incident you know it 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 has been more or less what i would call a friendly rivalry um and yes it 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 has its moments but those are rooted more in competitiveness of the players rather than any deep seated you know cultural conflict um you could say that i mean Eng- england have become more resurgent now so you know but there was a brief point of time when when india australia would, would was probably the number one rivalry in in cricket i would say it's number two maybe behind ashes unfortunately india and pakistan don't play enough um but yeah uh Till the point that uh, both the teams will be at the top of their game, you know, it will be a rivalry that will command a lot of attention and eyeballs. Um, And it's an interesting point that, you know, uh, rivalries that are not cultural, uh, even between nations, they'll they'll not permeate beyond one particular sport where both the teams are doing well, right? So, like, there isn't an India-Australia rivalry in hockey or any other team sport just because the sport doesn't get that prominence. But you play an India-Pakistan hockey game, people will come and see, right? Uh, and that's just because the rivalry transcends a particular sport. I mean, you could get a India-Pakistan wrestling or kabaddi game, and and I'm sure, like, you know, <clears throat> there'll be passions and, and, and people will come and watch it, right? So, I think that's where, like, the context of the rivalry matters especially between nations or you know uh, cultural groups you could even argue that the india pakistan rivalry at the end of the day is still a contest of ideas between jinnah and gandhi that's going on you know 80 90 years after both of them died um <clears throat> in terms of cricketing rivalries i mean i i think we've spoken about the funny ones i i've uh, i've started never really followed ashes very closely but i think i i respect and admire it for the for the tradition and the culture um, and how it is still one of the 
foundational rivalries that continues to drive test cricket. Um, but uh, but I think at least the funniest rivalry I have been personally part of, and I'm so glad it didn't last for more than a year or two, was between Delhi and Punjab and their Ranji teams. And that's just because I lived in Delhi and I had a, a cousin brother who who lived in, in Chandigarh. And in summer holidays with both of us being idle, nothing better to do, we would start talking about our Ranji teams and how many titles they'd won. And you won't believe it, there was a point of time when we were debating batting and bowling records of Pankaj Dharmani and, and Bantu Singh. And thankfully, that conversation stopped after a year. Um, so <laughs> that's a good instance of a manufactured rivalry when none being there. Um, <clears throat> but I think when you read about some of these rivalries, you know, they they even if I haven't lived them, they come into being. Like I would love to have been in the midst of Bombay versus Karnataka in the 70s uh, for Ranji Trophy games, right? Uh, great cricketers playing on two sides. Bombay, the hereditary champions. Karnataka, who, you know, were just up and coming. Or frankly, I mean, I've been, I've read a little bit and been listened to one of uh, the podcasts on 81 All Out as well for the Tamil Nadu versus Karnataka Ranji games, which could get heated up, especially a few years back when they were happening in the context of the Kaveri water dispute, right? So again, a cultural conflict driving rivalry where you would think it's it's not there. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's, historically, you know, those are those are some of the rivalries that, that I've at least seen, participated in or heard about um, that have been very, very, very interesting to to follow. I mean, cricket, unfortunately, is a sport played at the global level by a smaller number of teams. So the scope for rivalries is yet yeah, is less. But I think when you broaden the aperture to to bigger sports, there's there's other areas where rivalries uh, come in. And I mean, they they ebb and flow as well, which is another thing that we can talk about. Like what what does it take to to sustain it beyond a point? Um, I mean, soccer is a good example where. England and Germany used to have a very passionate rivalry for the longest period of time. And, you know, now it's just become handshakes and a lot of friendship because a lot of the attention has gone away. Interesting. So before we talk about Ashes in England, because England seems to be the new number one team, if you take temperature of cricket, Twitter, Indian fans, uh, England is a team that Indian fans root against a lot. And I think there is definitely good reason. So we can explore that. But let's talk about small segment in a game like cricket with a rivalry within the rivalry. There's India-Australia rivalry, but then there's a Tendulkar-Vaughan rivalry. Some may say Magrath-Tendulkar is not a rivalry. Uh, in Test cricket, as I think Karthik Jairaman, known as Elite Cynic, has come up with the famous stat, like Sachin only scored about 88 odd runs and was dismissed by Magrath, I think, I think seven or nine times, and uh, vice versa. So what are some of your ri- cricket rivalries of individuals uh, Kandarp. And then Aftab, same question to you. What has what has made you get up in different time zones? You may not watch the match, but you want to watch, say, Kohli facing Anderson or Akram bowling with Tendulkar. Maybe that time you were in India, it was easy rivalry to watch. But what are some of the matchups within a team rivalry that has captured your imagination? So, so for me, um, Tendulkar and, and Vaughn, I mean, uh, it's everyone would say everyone in my generation at least at least would say that oh that was one contest I w- always wanted to see but um, I don't know for some reason I always wanted Tendulkar to do well against Megra because I always saw Megra as 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 the best in in that generation I mean I don't know whether what numbers say but I always loved watching Megra bowl 
of course i'm i'm a huge rain one fan but i i loved how tendulkar used to play against one and i always wanted tendulkar to do well against against mcgrath i also loved how how vvs lakshman handled uh, shane won in across different tests um i also i loved brian lara uh, i always wanted him to do well in fact when india used to play west indies i always wanted of course i wanted india to win but i always wanted lara to score a century and then india to win and it didn't happen that often but i loved that that personal contest between lara and 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 indian bowlers in general um i haven't seen but i would have loved to watch lara versus muralidharan tests because it's one of the most interesting you know set of test matches where one batsman and one bowler they completely dominate the entire series uh, where lara i think lara scored very well but the rest of the west indies didn't do well sri lanka used to beat them in fact that's when sri lanka started beating west indies but that would have been you know one contest i would have loved to watch i never watched it um in recent uh times uh i i have enjoyed always uh you know watching virendra sehwag in in last uh, in this century i would say i have loved uh watching virendra sehwag especially against against pakistan and uh, and fortunately you know he scored he has scored some some of his best uh, centuries of course tri- one triple century against pakistan so that contest between sehwag and 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 wakar or sehwag and shoaib akhtar also has been you know very very dear to me and i remember very well the very first uh, game that south africa played after their you know readmission in in kolkata and the way alan donald was bowling and he he took a, you know a, our our openers for, for very cheaply and tendulkar had to come to bat very early he, he used to bat in the middle order back then and when i saw alan i was like i have never seen anyone like this i have never seen anyone bowl like this and that was quite a sight so for for many years i i enjoyed you know watching uh, alan donald against indian batsmen and especially when you know tendulkar was there it had like a special meaning um i also remember i mean this is just an anecdote i mean but in that match of south african readmission the captain of south african team was clive rice and he was bowling to to tendulkar clive rice was 40 41 42 and tendulkar was uh, was i think 17 still and the and the title was i mean you know there was a ticker on the television uh, rice to tendulkar and then they changed it to the oldest to the youngest so <laughs> so yeah so yeah these are some of my you know my personal memories about these personal rivalries that that i have enjoyed over years sure after that you can come in uh, individual rivalry also this one more like a contest right when vaughn is bowling to tendulkar or marshall bowling to gavaskar or whatever then there's the other rivalry where two batters are competing for the laurels in the same era and the fans stack them up tendulkar has been measured against lara ponting and zamam and he seems to be the golden standard 
So what are some of your favorite comparisons? Uh, and which way have you learned? Is it like, a, which way do you lean? Is it Tendulkar or Lara? Or in today's cricket, Smith, Kohli? Talk about some of these comparisons and rivalries. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Um, I think I always loved watching Tendulkar against Vaughn. Um, especially like the whole build-up before the 98 series was very interesting. And and I've, I I was lucky enough to watch a lot of that on television and I, and I followed it very closely. Um, I, I do, you know, uh, recall, I mean, after that, as Kandab said, taking a little bit more of a special liking to seeing. I think more more generally, it was always like, how's Tendulkar going to do against Australia collectively? Because they were the benchmark from the mid-90s. And for the longest time, you felt that even India as a team couldn't really do much against Australia, but Tendulkar could, right? So it was like one man against against 11. Um, but there have been sort of like these pockets of individual contests that I really like to watch. Like I loved watching see, watching Rasim Akram ball to Tendulkar or even to Rahul Dravid, right? Because Akram was such a beautiful exponent of his craft. Um, you know, he retained so much of his space even when he was old. And then these were two of the best batsmen in the world who legitimately had like very solid technical defense. Um, and, you know, we didn't get to see a lot of it, but whatever we saw of uh, Shoei Bakhtar against Tendulkar, I think was is just brilliant, um, right? Because, I mean, to to give the devil his due, you know, Akhtar was quick and, and he brought that element of flair and, and you know, he, he was a personality. You wanted to watch cricket when he was on, on the screen um, and you wanted to watch him compete against uh, Tendulkar and, and the and the rest of the Indian team. It was it was, it was a thrilling thrilling contest to watch, right? So at least I think our, my generation never saw Imran against Gavaskar, but we were lucky to see sort of like the the succeeding generations. To your other question, Sakeb, I mean, I I I don't necessarily like to get into a lot of these comparisons of different batsmen in the same era. I mean, I'm not too big a fan of. Even then, when I was young, I mean, I never really got so much into Tendulkar versus Lara. I mean, every batsman is different. You know, you you play in different conditions, so it's very hard to normalize. Um, but I was a Tendulkar fan growing up. Uh, I I warmed up a lot to Lara towards the back half of um, his career, right, and appreciated him a lot more for you know the the quality batsman that he was. Um, but I never really looked at it in the context of, you know, is he better versus versus Tendulkar? I think they were, we were lucky enough to watch both of them. It's the same thing I, I feel even today in the context of Kohli versus Smith. I think Smith's probably a better test batsman than Kohli. We, 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 we probably have enough of a record to admit it that Kohli is better in white ball uh, far and beyond. But Smith's probably going to end up with a better test record. He's been the better batsman. Um, and perhaps Root is perhaps the best three-dimensional player. You know, sorry to use that word amongst both of them, because he seems to have found a second wind in his 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 test ball uh, cricket or red ball cricket, and he's been extremely adaptable to whatever approach England have adopted in white ball, right? So maybe amongst the three, he's the most flexible uh, in terms of changing his game to the need, right? And, and doesn't get talked about too much. But uh, you know, I, I think for me, a rivalry is more about a contest of two opposites, so a bowler versus a batsman team versus team um, and not necessarily about who's the best bowler or, or who's the best batsman. I think the rivalry has to go a little bit beyond the the individual disciplines for, for you to, you know, look at it as a rivalry and enjoy it, right? It has to be, uh, as Skandar said, there has to be some contrast in it, you know, for you to really, which is why if, if you talk about individuals, then again, 
Um, you know, soccer is actually an interesting example because Messi versus Ronaldo is actually an interesting rivalry because they're different personalities, different individuals and different ways of playing. Um, and you will always be able to identify some of your personality traits with them to associate with one or the other. Right? And, and you could just say so much about a very hardcore fan of Messi versus a hardcore fan of Ronaldo. And you could you could talk about their personality or at least make some educated guesses about it. Um which I think is probably maybe a little bit difficult to do in cricket again, given the smaller sample size of, you know, pool of cricketers that we play with. You think in a hypothetical question for both, I don't know who wants to take it. Uh, you think Imran Kapil would have been a huge rivalry if uh, they were playing their cricket today in the age of social media? Because that's also a clash of personalities. And again, you have the the historical context behind it. Behind it. I don't know about rivalry, but their clips would have broken social media for sure. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I completely agree. In fact, I think it would have been more like uh, this Messi-Ronaldo uh, rivalry because, you know, two different uh, players uh, trying to, you know, very effective, both of them, but with very different personalities, very different style. And in case of... Uh, well, Messi and Ronaldo, it's not just different style. They are also like, they have no, I mean, they have broken all the records and they have been competing at the highest level for a very, you know, very long period of time. And I think if Kapil and Imran would have been playing today, their records would have been better because they would have had more opportunities. Um, they would have played more. Unfortunately, they didn't play so much cricket like, you know, like players play these days. And we would have probably, you know, we would have enjoyed them a lot more. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. Even throw Richards in there, so many names. If they were part of today's folklore, it would have been something else. So let's wrap this conversation up. Last few minutes, I'm going to talk about Ashes. After you can go first. I don't know how much attention you pay, but England seems to be the new team that Indian fans want to, you know, to win against. Nothing wrong. I think England has won uh, two World Cups in the white ball format. They will be the defending champions for the 50 World Cup that starts in India later this year. Uh, have you paid attention to, to the rise of England? Do you uh, do you agree with me that they have eclipsed Australia as a rival slash enemy, whatever, you know, yeah, the language is number one. I mean, in white ball, I think they're the team to beat. I don't necessarily feel they're a rival rival as such. Um, and maybe it'll take a little bit more time for it to play out. I mean, let's see how the test series at home happens. If England ends up beating India, then perhaps maybe yes. I mean, even in like the worst of times, right, when England defeated India at home in 2012 and then in 2011, we had lost 4-0 in England, there wasn't really like, like a lot of needle when India and England played again. I mean, it's it's a natural cricketing contest, um, but it can evolve into a good competitive rivalry, I feel, in the next four or five years, especially in white ball cricket, because I think where England is and the kind of depth they have, they will remain the team to beat. Um, and India will have sufficient talent to compete, if not, you know, to, to overwhelm them every time they meet. So... Um, I, I I think so. And I, I do feel that I think now having won twice in in Australia, in test cricket at least, you know, the Indian team would like to win a test series in England. They've come close. They haven't crossed the, the bridge both of those times. Uh, so to me, I think that's probably their, their next frontier. Um, and 
so aspirationally, as I said, it, it, it'll end up probably being a competitive rivalry, but I don't really see like a lot of, lot of needle happening there. Um, on your question around Ashes, I think going back to your previous question, one individual rivalry that I really enjoyed in Ashes was when Kevin Peterson burst on the screen in, in 2005. Um, and seeing him take on McGrath and Vaughn was just like a breath of fresh air because, you know, I you, you finally found a sense of competitiveness in English cricket, right? And and Ashes kind of started living up a little bit to its hype. Um, so that's one mini rivalry in Ashes that I've really enjoyed. I, I loved watching KP bat against the Aussies. I mean, it was just, he, was a, he wasn't really an Englishman. Um, so he was very different from everybody else around him. All right, so Kandar, let me bring you in. Uh, Ashes has to be part of a cricket rivalry uh, podcast. Uh, we focus mainly on India-Pakistan, but what's your take on the history of Ashes? A lot of people say there's a lot of conditioning attached to it, but that's how the British press works. There's a bit of tabloidism, but they're catering to their own, so they sensationalize few things, but they're also great chroniclers of the game. They've chronicled this rivalry really good, and every 16 months or two years they get together, and the urn travels back and forth. After living in Spain, using the club versus club experience firsthand, how do you do you view the Ashes differently than you viewed them, you know, when you were living in Ahmedabad? Has your concept changed, uh, conceptual view of the Ashes changed? In fact, I mean that's a that's a that's an excellent question, and uh, and to be honest, not just my. My question, my my perception of of ashes has has changed, but even you know my my perspective on fandom has changed completely. I think uh, if you if you look at cricket rivalries or cricket fandom, there is no parallel in any other sport. Um, I maybe in in Latin American soccer probably, but you know uh, like Australia, England. It's it's one of those rivalries that has been that has been built up and has sustained, has evolved, has grown, probably purely on on the basis of uh, of cricket and tradition. Uh, of course, they have historical, you know, cultural links these two nation nations, but uh, and probably I don't know a lot about that. And uh, that might be, you know, in the root of all this. But, you know, the way in which, for example, ashes, ashes used to happen every every 16 months, uh, no matter what. And when I started, you know, understanding cricket, when I started watching, uh, Australia was always winning. So, in fact, often I used to joke with, you know, with some friends of mine that why do they even play i mean england doesn't win and 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 then we saw this you know this turnaround especially 2005 ashes i i had an opportunity to watch uh four out of out of five tests in because you know i i, I was back in india and on on a vacation and and i thoroughly enjoyed watching ashes um it was wonderful cricket top quality cricket I was very, I was really sad when, when Australia lost that test by two runs. You know, when Shane Warne and Brett Lee were, they did this, you know, remarkable partnership, and and I, I always wanted Shane Warne to win. I was a big fan of Shane Warne, and I, I, I wanted to see him win. So, 
and they they lost and then you know the other the next test was ricky ponting he drew the test he he did that you know amazing brave century and and resisted uh, english pace bowlers it was it was great cricket and i think that 2005 ashes that you know um, emergence of kp and that kind of took ashes to the next level in a like from the global perspective like indian fans we started we also got involved in ashes we started watching that and and then ashes has been of course there was 5-0 the last series of won and megra i i really liked it because i was as i said i i wanted to see won win always but you could see that there is always this narrative built on the basis of what happened in the previous ashes um even the 2019 ashes when australia went to england again it was like world cup was over now england is the is the world cup winner but then steven smith is there what can he do you know all he was kind of making a comeback and then he plays those absolutely beautiful innings probably he i mean well th- that was probably one of the best ashes again that i had seen in this ashes i i didn't see all the tests i'm i i'll admit i saw the first two and i couldn't watch the third one uh fourth i watched and fifth i i watched a little bit but again the quality of cricket has been just exceptional i mean you have to admit uh england is playing probably uh the most attractive cricket at present and i really like watching this english team uh they are taking chances they are uh taking you know decisions which at times look a bit rash but um that's the reason why they are also you know uh giving us interesting results i was just looking at all the close results in last 5 years and i see that England is involved in in almost 60% of those games like in this ashes uh there was one game the the Leeds test England won by 3 wickets the Birmingham test Australia won by 2 wickets uh then in New Zealand earlier in February they lost by one run so you know these results they are they are able to create these results because of the kind of cricket that they are playing and and i think it's it's good for cricket it's good for test cricket um younger fans are also getting more and more involved in in test cricket they they are appreciating the test cricket more and and yeah i i think i think ashes right now is probably the best uh cricketing contest um and up slightly ahead of of india australia i would say after we agree and i'll throw in a question our good friend vijay has said this on twitter many times and also in this podcast that india hasn't hosted australia since the uh, 2001 kolkata test at the eden gardens and mm-hmm. he said that's a big miss and that's how yeah. you nurture some tradition some rivalry do you think that's a template that we should uh, copy or you know you think the existing system is good in india they throw in different venues every time a team comes are you a fan of that and you've not at all um so i mean i i i think um, i'm i'm all for democratizing the game but i think 
there is enough evidence now that when you host test cricket in India, there are certain centers that have a genuine following uh, and a crowd for test cricket and certain centers don't. And I feel that there's enough white ball cricket played that you can use that to 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 spread awareness of the game and and you know fulfill your obligations to state associations but i mean at least in in team sports like a lot of the rivalry we talked about like the home be away aspect before right i mean barcelona and, and real madrid rivalry is there because of new camp and um and 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 the and the real stadium I mean, now they're demolishing new camp as well and going to a new place right but for fans memories are associated with a certain piece of geography right so if every time australia was coming to india and you were playing in the eden gardens right there's very natural sort of throwback to what happened in in 2001 so you need those things to sustain a rivalry but then you also need you know and a set of administrators who care about the rivalry and who care about sustaining it um and you see that in the ashes right i mean guaranteed that yes england is a small country number of venues is not big and australia also has a specific number of cricketing centers but i don't think they've played an ashes test at, at, at hobart um uh, ever right they know that the crowds are going to come in melbourne and sydney and adelaide and the gabba they always have the first test at the gabba because it's the most advantageous to the home team and so that adds to the contest of the rivalry right england make sure the first test is at edwiston which is their fortress right so those those aspects need to play out and you know th- those are natural aspects that will add to the spice in the rivalry which unfortunately you know india and administrators in india do not care about um and you know it is it is definitely a miss i mean you could you know think about this i mean in a hypothetical scenario if india and pakistan were playing right i mean you could have a test match in delhi um there's a political center you could have a test match in chennai which is totally different kind of a crowd a different kind of a center um and and you know m- maybe one you know in in um uh, in in bombay uh because each of those at least the f- the first and the third cities have have cultural association with with pakistan in the sense that a lot of migrants came from there right and so those families are still there um but we are oblivious to to those facts and you know it's unfortunately we are not great custodians of our history even very recent history for us to understand that it makes sense to have a test with australia at the eden gardens every time because you know that's to me and most cricket historians would agree it's a turning point in indian cricket and its fortunes yeah so nurturing a rivalry is should be on one of the top list of bcci you know their objectives with, uh... they're busy releasing world cup tickets please don't disturb them right now they need exactly. to get those out <laughs> <laughs> they've no, finally I... got into it <laughs> just to just to add one point to what uh, what aftab just mentioned i mean building a tradition is very important in in you know fostering a healthy rivalry and and strong rivalries also have you know strong markets so that's also there is a lot of evidence across sports and i think the mistake that bcci is committing is in undermining underestimating rather the quality of cricketers that they have uh, for example in last couple of uh, you know especially the last series against uh, australia and the previous one against england we saw the kind of the quality of wickets that were produced 
they were really not, you know, they did not really create a great contest. And if there is no great contest beyond a point, it one thing is, you know, of course, spectators will lose their interest, but it will also have a strong impact on the psyche of the of the athlete, psyche of the of the player. And that is something that BCCI, I think, is not really taking into consideration. Um, and and that's why I, I, I agree with this point that uh, our friend Vijay is making that, you know, they should uh, create these centers as, you know, permanent centers where all important tests are held. And at the same time, they should also make sure that, you know, a good quality of contest happens. Um, yeah, because... I mean, I, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's not relevant, but I I had read this uh, study on. It was on American Football League. It was done, I think, long back uh, around 2010, I guess, where they had shown that, you know, once you in the American football, once you do this touchdown, you can do either uh, a two pointer or you can you know take the kick and have one point, and if you do that one pointer it's much safer it's like you know 98% of the time you get it the the assurance of getting two pointer is almost half of it and still the the set of scholars who studied that they showed actually that teams which are considered you know like arc rivals eternal rivals they in in those games the probability of taking a two pointer the risk taking increases and and some lab experiments have shown that you know when you are in in when you invoke you know that sense of rivalry and you are somehow in that mindset that you are playing against your arch rival it also has you know strong physiological impact and that's why you know some players they play very well in in important games it's like you know like players like some real madrid players like cristiano or sergio ramos or they would always play their best game in the most important match like in a normal game they would be average but when an important game there is a semi-final there is a final they would be at their best so i think bcci must take this into consideration as well to foster you know stronger rivalries and also to have a stronger you know, market advantage because of those rivalries I think that's a great yeah. counterintuitive point um, that that you made, right? The the ability to, or the appetite to take risks, um, especially I think in the modern game, right? Um, it's I think it's been written and said a lot that in the in the early years of the India Pakistan rivalry, like people were just scared to lose, um, and you know, there's a dynamic to kind of how a sporting population takes a loss as well. Uh, but for sometimes it amazes me, like for for a body that is so commercially minded in so many other respects, there are some of these low hanging fruits that the BCCI simply misses, right? And and cultivating a rivalry, something that unfortunately they've just outsourced to television channels who will come up with like silly ads and and hashtags that don't make sense and all. Whereas the rivalry really is about fans and and traditions and and as i said you know locations and geographies and the history that comes with it um and and then that aspect has to be i mean ultimately that falls under the control of the bcci and it's up to them to to cultivate it um um and you know the english and the and the australian boards have i think figured that out but unfortunately 
uh, we have not. I think my two senses, they are the dominant force of cricket world. Finance matters runs through BCCI, no secret there. So I think they need a rival board. Once they have a rival Probably. board, then they they might start venturing into, you know, the, these decisions that fans always complain about or suggest. Because right now, the biggest seat on the negotiating table is the Indian fandom, which puts them in a league of, I think, no other no other body, I think, out there, no other sporting body out there. No one has that kind of leverage. So I think till that's the case, I think they'll keep doing what they're doing. Uh, I, I don't have much hope. I think India has enough cricket fans, so product will be there, but there'll they'll be seldom suggestions to improve, you know, uh, the consumption that a fan like, you know, ourselves or even younger fans, you know, who are more involved uh, in the consumption of the game, keep complaining about like ticket sales as one, developing a rivalry and whatnot. So anyway, I think we've covered, we've covered a lot of ground. Any parting thoughts, gentlemen, before we wrap this up? I mean, I think for for younger um, observers of the game, um, maybe my two cents would would be uh, enjoy the rivalry for the 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 sporting excellence that it provides. Um, and you know, of course, you you need a dog in the game. You you need to root for someone. Um, but but it is important at the end of the day to understand that. It is a sport, and as Steve Waugh famously said, no one died out there. Uh, thankfully, um, the the outcome stays on the on the sporting field, and um, you know the passions should should die down there. I mean, as when I was young and I was in my early teens, you know, I used to be like so surprised reading articles and seeing you know pictures of Indian and Pakistani players together, or hearing how they were the best of friends, and you know it seemed like super counterintuitive to me. Um, and you sometimes realize that. The atmosphere that you are in, um, to some extent, is drummed up, artificially created. Uh, whereas, you know, the players, as I said earlier, right, some anyone who's played the game knows what it takes to play the game, and they will not denigrate the other sportsmen because they know how tough it is to reach the highest level. It's people like us who sit on the outside on our armchair who who get sometimes overpassionate, um, and so it's important to remember that as a fan um, and to and to keep your balance to enjoy the context and root for a team but but appreciate the other team as well i mean i'm looking forward to india playing pakistan in in the world cup um but i'm also looking forward to seeing how babar azam bats um and if he plays well i've i have wagered with with one of my pakistani friends that you know if pakistan would ever to beat india in a in an odi world cup it'll take a special innings from babar to do that and i think this is the year that it might happen so you know i'm i'm trying to open myself to um, being passionate for a team, but then also appreciating the sporting contest. And that's my message to to young and, and old sports fans alike. Great message, Kandar. Any final words before we wrap the show? Well, final words, like, you know, all of us, we have uh, a special relationship with uh, with sports. Uh, for example, whenever I think of, of cricket, and especially when I think of India-Pakistan games, I not only enjoy the, those games because you know they uh, we are they are India Pakistan games, but also some of my personal memories. You know they are linked with those games, like when uh, the Independence Cup final happened and Rishikesh Kanitkar, you know he 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 scored a boundary to to give us the victory uh, in Bangladesh. Uh, uh, 
that was the last time my sister and I we watched a game with my grandmother, and that was the last time I saw her very happy. Uh, yeah, that was probably the last time I saw her very happy. So you know, these things they they just keep, you know, they become part of our memory. They become part of you know our our personal life narrative, and and it's very special, and and that's why it's important to to cherish it. It's important to enjoy the game. It's important to enjoy these uh, special rivalries. It's important. That's why to to you know have these experiences. It's important to share these experiences. You know with our younger generation as well. Uh, so so yeah, that's that's my parting thought. That you know thanks to these rivalries. I have had some of the you know most uh, most beautiful memories of my my life with my family and my friends. So, yeah, I'm very grateful. I'll make one final closing comment, Sakib. Uh, we we talked a lot about existing rivalries. We didn't touch a lot upon emerging rivalries. Um, if you're a cricket fan in India and you haven't gotten tickets to the India Pakistan game or even the England Australia game, don't worry about it. Um, go and buy tickets for the Bangladesh-Sri Lanka game or the Afghanistan-Pakistan game. You might get more drama there than you would probably in the India-Pakistan game. I mean, it seems like every time Pakistan and Afghanistan play, it's a, it's an El Clasico happening. Uh, one happened very recently, two days ago. Um, there's some needle there. Uh, and you never know what kind of dance form the, the Bangladeshi players might start when they're playing Sri Lanka. So, you know, those are like smaller tier two rivalries, but probably worth the watch. There might be some masala in those games. Um, that's always interesting when you see new rivalries emerge on the stage. So um, just, uh, just a closing thought for folks who may not have gotten the tickets to the games they wanted. Yeah, that's a great uh, final chapter to this podcast, Aftab. Yeah, uh, Bangladesh and Sri Lanka, that's, that's a game I'm not going to miss. Of course, uh, it's a different time zone. I'll make sure I, I watch most of that game. Anyway, it was a great conversation. Kandarp, super impressive debut. You're like, you know, that guy wearing the wings. We've heard of you. We've heard you through your DMs, through your Twitter commentary. And you're quite impressive. And after, can't say enough for your articulate thoughts. I really enjoy pairing with you on this podcast. Let's produce another show sometime soon. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back with another show sometime soon. Thank you, Zakir. Thanks, Kandar. Thank, thank you so much, Zakir. Thank you for this invitation. And thank you, Aftab.